Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. Another game of bad rebounding and bad shooting, another loss. Stanford's a winner 71-62 against the Sun Devils. Bobby Hurley, what happened? Tough loss, guys. We were right in the hunt, you know, right in the hunt right there. Just uh, got outplayed both times on the floor last, uh, last five minutes of that game. Oh, they sure did as they got run over near the end of the game. Gaffney Miller-Perez combined to shoot only two of 14 from three for 14%. Devils have lost five of their last six. They're at home coming up tomorrow afternoon, 1 o'clock. U of A destroyed cows. 91-65, Ballo 22 points, 13 rebounds. The uh, Wildcats, 19 more rebounds, 21 more free throw attempts. Tommy Lloyd, what'd you see? Uh, we want to establish our, our uh, kind of kind of our advantages, and, and I think our guys did a good job that day. When, when Umar plays with the effort, effort energy he has the past couple games, I mean, we're a different team. Stanford leaves Tempe today. They head down to Tucson to take on the Wildcats. Off day tomorrow, the game tip off Sunday, 6 o'clock. It got hairy, but the Lopes got revenge on the only whack team to beat them. 95-88 winner against Seattle U. It was McLaughlin who led all scores with 25 points. GCU now heads on the road today. They take on Utah Valley tomorrow afternoon at 4. Couple pieces of news with Devin Booker for your Phoenix Suns. Number one, he was named a Western Conference Player of the Month. Does that matter to the organization? Think of Booker, think of Nash, think of Stoudemire. Never happened in the history of the Suns to have somebody get their third Conference Player of the Month, and now Booker's got it. He averaged 30 points a game, and the Suns went 11-5 and during this stretch. He was also named a Western Conference All-Star for the fourth time in his career. Tonight, Suns are on the road in Atlanta. Hawks are the best offensive rebounding team in the league, and the Suns are the ninth worst at keeping people off the offensive glass. Tip-off comes up today at 5.30. NHL player draft took place yesterday. Scottsdale's Austin Matthews selected Arizona's Clayton Keller. Keller, how'd it feel? Yeah, uh, you know, it was a different experience. Uh, you know, it was years prior, so um, it was cool that they changed it up there. And uh, good to be back with, uh, with Austin there. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. You might see them both on the ice together coming up Saturday evening in Toronto. Other NBA All-Stars for the Western Conference, other than Devin Booker, your backcourt has Curry and Anthony Edwards. Your frontcourt has Anthony Davis, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, and Carl Anthony Towns. Last night in the league, Jalen Brunson named an Eastern Conference All-Star, dropped 40 points on the Pacers, and James and Davis, they're out against the Celtics for the Lakers, and the Lakers won anyway behind Austin Reeves, 32 points. Two Super Bowl teams head to Vegas this weekend. Let's hear from Andy Reid first on Brock Purdy. Listen, he's a heck of a player. I remember specifically one of the Saturday afternoons uh, watching him in college, and I remember the head coach saying, this guy has changed our program. 
changing a program, that's something, that's big. And then here is Shanahan talking about Pat Mahomes. I think the quarterback is as hard to beat as anyone who's ever played the game. Uh, the things he can do from a talent standpoint, um, and then you pair that up with his scheme with Andy, how Andy runs a team. You can't tell I butchered my music. That game is coming up. Super Bowl Sunday is next Sunday. Kickoff at 4.30. One big upset, Wisconsin. Got a huge game against Purdue, so they weren't focused on Nebraska. They lose in overtime yesterday, 80-72 to in Lincoln. And finally, if you've got an appointment booked at the Ocean Spa Massage located in San Diego, I'm sorry, you're going to have to reschedule. You see, the police of San Diego spent 125 hours investigating the parlor and they found out it was a front for prostitution. Yes, they sent in undercover cops. I certainly don't know what that job is like, but where it really got a little ugly, you talk about a company that didn't want to hide what they were doing. Not only was prostitution going on in the building, it was going on in cars out front of the building. Who turned them in? You see, the next door group got tired of all the loud noises that was actually disturbing their youth Bible study. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat. You walk over for happy hour with your wife. You might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Oh, the joy of doing Doug Franz Unplugged at 2 in the morning. Recording between 2 and 5. And then getting it posted by 6 every morning. Why was that good? Because if the four-minute offense ran for five minutes, I could edit it, and you would never know. I'm like, what just happened? Ah! 
Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. At least I got that right. Thank you. What is that? The dumpster is being dumped right now at 6.09 in the morning. And it's loud. I know that you the microphone isn't picking it up, but oh my goodness, I can hear it through the blinds and then through my uh, my own headset. How are you? Hopefully your Thursday went great. Oh, I... I didn't forget something, but I did. I forgot to do something during the break, but I didn't forget anything this morning. Oh, yeah. Jeff Weir Production, would you be so kind as to light the lamp, as we say in hockey? A professional would have taken care of this during the break, and you wouldn't be watching me do this. But that means Jeff Weir Production forgot that it is Beer Friday. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, if I had to guess, I think he's running around right now. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> I'll still. We will pour the kit lifter into the Miller Lite glass. I don't know if that's sacrilegious. I am pouring it right on Mark Grace's head. By the way, when you think about the gifts of, from God that all of us have received, he gave me a rough gift, making me a reasonably attractive man in my 20s, and then not all that attractive in my 30s and then just downright ugly by the time I got to my 50s. That was a little rude. And then I had, a, I had an amazing massage yesterday. And there's a funny story behind that. I'll tell you that in a second. But, uh, but everything else, you know, I got nothing. I, I don't, I'm the shortest male in my family. I got a lot of things that, that don't add up. However, I got a great liver. I got a great bladder. And my ability to pour beer is second to none. I am a better beer pourer than any bartender in the city. Any bartender in the city. And the reason why I say that is, look at that. There's always a tiny bit of foam to get it open, just to kind of crack it open a little bit. But uh, everything else is bad. If you, I don't know if you have it uh, queued up and ready to go, because I forgot to remind you, uh, Izzy, but do you have the Beer Friday ready to go? Oh, oh, good. Do me a favor. Cheers, everybody. Beer Friday. Great beer. Yeah. I lit the lamp. I don't know if that looks a little glossy back there now. Nah, it looks pretty solid. Looks yeah, pretty solid. I like it. I like it. I'm happy. I'm happy. So, Jeff Weir Production, here is your Mark Grace beer. And, uh, and I'll just put it right here behind Shane Doan. You can come get it when, uh, whenever you're ready. I never thought of bringing coasters, <laughs> but there's a little bit of a ring uh, on here. So, I'll use the ugly plastic bag as a coaster. There we go. If you're listening to the podcast right now, Amazon, Google, Spotify, tune in. Uh, I'm thinking that was pretty boring to go through right there, right there. So that's why you can think about becoming a WTSM member. And then when you're watching it, uh, it's kind of entertaining to see everything go by. But I can understand it's kind of boring to listen to. But hey, I got beer you don't right now. Unless you're having a beer in the middle of the afternoon while you're listening to Doug Franz Unplugged. Then you've got it. Um, okay, everything you need to know uh, today. Uh, number one, the massage yesterday. Jennifer was so amazing. I've been having really bad back issues lately. So she, she buys me a massage. That was cool. But here's what's ridiculous is I am, 
Um, sitting there with Izzy, Izzy and I went to breakfast yesterday just to talk about him taking over for Jeff Weir production as a producer, talking about his show. iOS has moved to one o'clock to give him a little bit of time to uh, to prepare. Hey, welcome, welcome. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Absolutely. Jeff Weir production, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, Jeff Weir production just committed the cardinal sin and he cheers to me and then left. Uh, you, you didn't take a drink. You got you got to take a drink as soon as you say cheers. There's, there's a rule. So I'm sitting there with Izzy and my wife texts me and says, did you forget about your massage appointment? Man, I freaked out. Number one, it's not on my calendar. And number two, I, I, I remember her telling me about it a month ago, but I didn't know it was official. So then to you and you judge as a husband, whether this is true or not, you cannot say the words, did you forget when the event has not occurred yet? I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know about it. It wasn't on my calendar, blah, 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 you know, and I I went on and on and she says, okay, well, um, do you think you'll be able to get there? And I, I was thinking she was rescheduling and I said, I said, I I can get there at some point, you know, around one o'clock. And then she says, oh, well, then you're fine. It's at 3.30. The proper text would have been, don't forget your massage today. It's at 3.30. You can't text somebody at 11 in the morning and say something like, did you forget about anything? It hasn't, it's not going to happen for four and a half hours. That's a rule. That's not just a beer Friday thing. That is a rule. But oh my gosh, I feel so much better uh, after yesterday. That poor, that poor girl though. I, I feel so bad for a masseuse when, I mean, think about their reaction when they walk into that room and pull that sheet down and just see all of this hair and blubber. That just, that, that, that poor woman. Uh, I, I, they probably lose money massaging me on the amount of oil they have to go through. But hey that was god's choice not mine so you know you got to deal with it uh held strong last night you unplugged army i did something very very strong very very proud of what i did yesterday uh dana scott's gonna join us arizona republic beat reporter for the phoenix suns and uh and and friend of mine i i, I love dana's stuff and uh the thing that was interesting is he was supposed to interview with me two nights ago he forgot felt terrible and then told me, hey, I'm definitely coming on with you tonight so we can air it Friday morning. I said, great, just give me a 15-minute warning. Now, for Wednesday night, he had said he wouldn't be ready until about 11. No problem. But after you forget, I was a little nervous. So I wait for the 15-minute warning, and I don't get it at 8. I don't get it at 9. I don't get it at 10. And I'm thinking, okay. It's not happening again. I'm not going to bug him. He's doing this for free. I'll just go to bed. So I start packing up all my stuff. I walk up the stairs. I walk into the bedroom. And then my phone dings at 1040 or something like that. Hey, I'll be ready in about 15. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I owe you. As a member of the Unplugged Army, I'm, not give, I'm never going to give up on you. And I said, okay, okay. Then I go back down, unpack everything, get everything ready. It was my fault. I bailed, not thinking he was ready. But then, as soon as duty called, I was ready. So I think you're going to enjoy it. We had a great conversation. One last thing before we get to the house cleaning issues of the day. Have you seen the weather that's coming up this weekend? 
Tuesday, Wednesday, almost definite rain. Next week now. Tuesday, Wednesday, definite rain. And then Thursday through Sunday of next week, we barely get into the 60s for a high. Morning lows are 45 degrees. So 45 to 60 all day long, Thursday through Sunday. Why am I bringing that up? The Phoenix opens next weekend. (laughs) That means the, uh, like, we're supposed to have Nick Saban coming as an actual golfer in the Pro-Am. And the amount of money people uh, pay to play in the Pro-Am, and what are you going to get? You're going to play in the rain or you're going to be rained out and it'll be freezing. Oh, my gosh. I would not enjoy that at all. The thought of I spent this much money and this is what I'm getting. Not that it's their fault. We've had some incredible weather for like seven straight years. But this kind of stinks of what's expected next weekend. All right. Uh, Tomorrow? Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Noon, I'm going to be at Burrito Express. Just to give you a heads up, I'm going to try to get there a little bit before noon. I am not going for beer afterwards. And the reason why is I went ahead and asked for a credential. I got to do some work. So Saturday at 1 is tip-off for ASU to basically try to save their season. If they don't win the rest of the way out, they're out of the NCAA tournament. They've got to go on on an amazing hot streak uh, in order to make it as they're just laying egg after egg after egg right now. So I'm going to the game Saturday, 1 o'clock, and therefore I'm going to try to get to Burrito Express a little bit earlier than I had talked to you about uh, the rest of this week, but I will definitely still be there at noon, and I'll probably be there until about 12.40, something like that, and then I'll head up the street, head up university, and get over to the game. So I, not a sanctioned event because I only told you about it a week and a half ago, but it's really important as a member of the Unplugged Army, that we show support to one of the original sponsors of Doug Franz Unplugged. So please come out to the new Burrito Express location. Their grand opening is tomorrow, starts early in the morning, goes all the way until 3 o'clock. I'll be there a little bit before noon. Love to see you out there. South Tempe on Kyrene is the location. And then whirlwind event friday february 23rd golf will be inexpensive for a course that's normally 200 dollars around and if you can't play golf or you don't have time for to be able to take off that amount of time please stop by civlic and eat lunch or please go to happy hour or dinner after our round that is a sanctioned event i really hope to see you there uh, sound credits today uh izzy jump in if i butcher anything 49ers.com gave us kyle shanahan KCChiefs.com or Chiefs.com, I admit I don't remember which one it is, uh, gave us Andy Reid. Sun Devil Source gave us Bobby Hurley. Wildcats YouTube page gave us Tommy Lloyd. And the Coyotes PR department sent over the Clayton Keller to us to, uh, to be able to use about the All-Star game. I think that's it. Uh, Izzy, Jeff, anything thrilling going on in your lives for the weekend? What do you have planned, Izzy? Uh, n- nothing. Nothing at all. I'm finna see you on Saturday. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, are you going to Burrito Express or are you going to the ASU game? Uh, most likely Burrito Express. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for helping us out. That's cool of you, Izzy. And then uh, I would love, that's another reason if you're in the Unplugged Army, to uh, watch iOS every weekday afternoon at one o'clock. And if you want to kind of get to know Izzy a little better and, uh, and that way you have a connection to him as you're watching, then please stop by coming up tomorrow at uh, at burrito express all right i think we're ready hey we got a show to do let's roll doug's big one doug's big one today oh my gosh it, it's just i i've realized i've used this as doug's big one before but this is my number one opinion once again
and I'm sorry to repeat it, but the problem is they are repeating it, and therefore I have to repeat it. Coach Hurley, what are you doing? You, your system is wrong. It's just wrong, okay? I love the style of basketball you want to play. I love the Duke principles. Duke has always been a fantastic fast-breaking team. They've always been a fantastic shooting team. They've always had lots of motion in their offense. And for some reason, you think your kids can shoot because you've seen them shoot in practice. It's February 2nd right now. It was February 1st last night, and you told us specifically, remember saying this, that if the fans want to get upset about the shooting of Gaffney, get on you. Get on you for it. Okay. Gaffney was 0 for 4 from 3, 1 for 6 from the field last night. The combination of Gaffney, Miller, and Perez went 2 for 14 from 3 for 14%. It's the same old thing. You lose games because you can't rebound and because you can't shoot. And here's what I don't get. Listen, the rebounding thing, there's not much you can do about it now. You have small guys. But you've had plenty of time in your tenure to start recruiting people that can rebound. And you haven't done it. So that's still on you. And then the green light to take no pass possession shots, the green light for bad shooters to take step back threes, it makes no sense, coach. You have to change or you have to go. And I, I mean, I want to throw up saying that. I am such a fan of Bobby Hurley, the human being, Bobby Hurley, the player, and even Bobby Hurley, the coach, as I'm ripping the coach. I'm a fan of the coach because no matter what I tell you, he is still the best basketball coach in Arizona State history. And the lack of support from Dr. Crow, the lack of support from the former athletic director, And even the lack of support from the fan base, even though I I have to admit this year's team doesn't deserve a lot of support, it's never going to be easy to build a good program at Arizona State. Never. It'll never be easy. And I want to be very understanding of how difficult it is. And now it just got tripled in difficulty in the NIL space with where we are right now in the world of college sports. And you already have a fan base that's kind of fickle and doesn't jump up and down to support things. And now that gets even more exposed. But here's the thing. It's not like Stanford has the worst fan base I've ever seen. It's crazy how good some of those David Shaw football teams were. And you go to their minute little uh, miniature little stadium and they can't even sell out their little bitty stadium. And they've got like 16,000 people there to watch a top 10 football team. So whatever the reason is, fan support has nothing to do with losing to Stanford. It has nothing to do with losing to Oregon State. It has nothing to do with the plight where you are in the Pac-12. It's, I hate to say it, but it's either not very good players, which you recruited, or... It's not very good coaching because you're allowing players that have no business shooting four, five, six, eight three-pointers to shoot four, five, or six three-pointers. Coach, it's got to change. It's got to change. That's Doug's big one today. Um, Suns are the number one topic, though. So we're going to talk Suns first. I am going to get into ASU later. 
And Coach Hurley did say some things that made you feel like he's got the message. But it doesn't mean he's got the players. So we'll see where Arizona State goes. Hopefully they destroy Cal because Cal's not very good. But honestly, Stanford's just average. So what does that make ASU by losing to Stanford? But first we're going to do Suns. Coming up next, I got Dana Scott coming on the show. Going to have a long conversation with Dana. I think the guy is absolutely fantastic. Talk about Booker as Western Conference Player of the Month. Talk about Booker as an all-star. Booker's likability. Also, the ball movement issues of the Phoenix Suns. Why are they so good when they actually do it right? And why do they struggle so much when they do it wrong? And let's talk about their fourth quarter issues. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. And Dana Scott's a great person to bounce off different ideas. Join me next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, on the home of the Rattlers and the home of the Tucson Sugar Skulls. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. I already said that. Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSFTV.com. Choke job. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Well, if you've been a longtime member of the Unplugged Army, you've seen him on before, and you know it's great for us to have him back. Dana Scott, one of the premier writers, I'll say it, in the country, and we just happen to have him as he writes for the Arizona Republican. You can read his stuff at AZ Central, and he joins us right now to Yap Sons. And, and of course, Dana, that's why I told you you're coming on. But, you know, I have to ask, as an East Coast guy without a dog in the fight, are you Chiefs or 49ers next weekend? Um... I'm actually local for 49ers because I am a fan of Brock Purdy. I do want to see the okay. local kid win. And, you know, the Chiefs are cool, but I saw that KC game where there was like 15 degrees out there or, or like the wind chill factor made it 40 below. And I'm like, you people are morons going out there, man. <laughs> like you, 15 people. I'm sorry you had to go to the hospital, but I grew up in that cold weather. Y'all are morons, man. <laughs> Straight up. Like, it's not like you didn't know what it was going to be. There was like a seven-day forecast before the game, and they still went and did it. 
So, you know, to see that's that a great opinion. I salute him. That's why I'm rooting for him. When I say anybody that's got fans like that, I am I am all in. Now, with Purdy, I want this. I want 300 yards, four touchdown passes, and I want everybody else to fumble. So then, <laughs> then, then it's not on him. He has a great game, but the Chiefs still win, and then we feel like we've supported the local guy, and it's good. I can't, I can't root for the 49ers ever. No way. Yeah, I understand, but it's, if you're – under Cam Newton's uh, spell there from his old podcast, it's not his fault because he's the 10th best guy in that team <laughs> if he fumbles that many times, right? You know, there's been some outlandish Cam Newton comments, and sometimes he's proven right, and nobody wants to admit it. I, he's not going to be proven right on that one. He's way off on on not getting Brock Purdy's. And it's weird. It's quarterback on quarterback crime a little bit, too. Yeah, I know. And honestly, I saw a funny comment today about that. And <laughs> it was that, uh, you know, for, he lost his job to Mac Jones. Enough said. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's, uh, that's very yeah. true. As um, somebody the, who's not a Patriots fan like myself, that I'm definitely applauding that. Uh, the, the number one question, how's the family? How's fatherhood? Yeah, fatherhood's great. Uh, I, I, I love just seeing my little girl grow up so fast. She's already putting phrases together and she's using words that actually make sense to oh, articulate awesome. her thoughts because you know, when kids learn words, they get repetitive and they don't know how to use it in the right context. Yeah. But now she's trying to, she's actually doing better contextualizing her thoughts and, and what she's saying and words and answering questions uh, with accurate, accurate, stuff in her mind so I'm, I'm really pleased about that i'm also pleased about the fact that uh you know she's getting potty trained so that way i don't have hey, to amen <laughs> yeah i, I yeah it's, it gets easier from there uh there, some of that stuff i'm telling you dana as an old man here it'll last forever my my 24 year old couldn't understand pronouns so every time you know you'd walk up to her and say hey do you want me to hold you and she'd say yes but then she'd flip it and she'd come up to you and she'd say hold you because she thought that's what it meant oh hold the u.s does that too yes really? the US does that too yeah, that's <laughs> what mine does so we still say hold you. I still say hold you to her. At 24 years old, and you know, I know she loves that. And, and uh, even and, and so that that's something that you'll uh, you'll you'll never lose. How busy have you been? What have you been? Uh, what have you been working on with? Because uh, I know I don't think you traveled on to any of the games on this long road trip, right? I don't, but I do cover the games from home. I actually write the live blog of quarter by quarter updates of what the team is doing, okay. and scores and highlights, everything regarding social media. It's basically doing running, as they say in the you know journalism uh, for running news, and uh, it's actually taken me back to my days at Complex when I was writing for them and based in New York uh, virtually and covering events from home and now i'm doing the same thing applying those skills nine years later and so it's been fun uh this is a new project that az central has been doing is covering all the games because of bradley beal being in town uh with the team and also kevin durant so this is the most anticipated Suns team in the teams uh yeah in the history of this team and i think that we just need to track every moment of it as much as we can we have Dwayne Rankin on the road for all the games and the home games. And I'm doing the home games with sidebars and other stuff in between and helping out with uh, ASU football and some other stuff ASU related as well. And I actually wrote a WNBA article today about if the Suns should trade for Elena Del Don. Oh. And yeah, so 
they have a number three overall pick in April, and we'll see if they actually go through with it. But the team's been mortgaging their future since uh, 2013 when Jim Pittman came in as a GM. And uh, who knows if they want to do that still with the new guy, Nick Uren. Mm, that's uh, I admit, I thought I was up on all of my Dana Scott studies and I have not read the article yet. So I will. No, it's not out yet. It's out tomorrow morning. So, good. Yeah. see, I feel yeah. better. I feel better. <laughs> yeah. and a good save. And even if it's not, I appreciate you just throwing that out. Well, with, yeah. with, with, with you saying everything you said about the Suns, go back to that and answer this. I, this is a, a funny question because all of us have been watching. I can pick up the paper and look at the standings, but I'm going to ask you this generic question anyway. How are the Suns doing this year? Suns are great right now. Uh, as of January, they went uh, eleven and five in January. Devin Booker had a phenomenal month. He won Western Conference Player of the Month, and they don't give those individual awards or out with out without in uh, team success. Mm-hmm. And you know they just cruised with Bradley Beal being healthy, and you see that with Kevin Durant his return to Brooklyn um, on. Thursday night. No, I'm sorry. Wednesday night. Yeah, that he had 33 points and just shined, and he's been great uh, as usual. And then you see a lot of the other guys that are thriving. Grayson Allen's been out for the past couple games, um, but or since yesterday's game, and you know he he has an ankle roll injury right now, but. I think that Devin Booker has made him better and he's a 50, 40, 90. Actually, he's a really a 50, 50, 90 guy, which yeah. is exceptional. Uh, and those shooting splits are because of the attention that the big three gets and Durant, Beal and Booker. And that opens up the sweet spots for Allen to come down and hit from the, you know, the wings and also, uh, from the corners, and those are basically where he gets most of his his shots, and also he's able to drive it more. I mean, mm-hmm. his drives have gone up since he was in Milwaukee. You know, when he was complimenting Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton when he was healthy, as well as Giannis. So uh, I think that a lot of credit goes to Booker with his assists being up at a uh, nearly eight a game, and that's the highest of his career, and it's been well deserved for him as well as this fan base. The Suns have to actually get to see the fruits of their labor, trading away their future for this big three to come together into uh, symbiosis. Last week on Doug Franz Unplugged, I said something that's never been uttered in the English language other than by Grayson's mother. And I said, I like Grayson Allen. Um, (laughs) I thought about that, too. I I couldn't believe that I said it, though. I, I, I came in not hoping to hate the guy. I knew I hated him and I had good reason. And I thought he was a jerk. And I didn't think it's, oh, it's just because of the Duke days. I don't th- I didn't think anything changed. And now I seriously, Dana, feel like an ignorant fool because I feel like I watch enough, enough NBA to be educated. And now that you see Grayson every day, did he just change or has everybody that's like me been wrong because we really are holding on to Duke this whole time? Yeah. Well, there's, I think this is a two pronged thing. One, the Duke thing is real. And I think Frank uh, Vogel qualified that when I asked him about that old Duke stigma that has followed him 
since his days of tripping people and being suspended by Coach K back in 2016. And he just really, really was fulfilling that whole, like, 1980s teen movie jerk role, you know, like, you know, like somebody who like lives in the rich part of town and is basically preying on this uh, protagonist character and, and is just like basically standing over them and kind of like a uh, Racky in the movie Youngblood, you know, yeah. if you, so <laughs> one of my personal favorites from when I was a kid, you know, praying on Rob Lowe and then they finally get into a fight. But anyway, but um, yeah, I, I was just thinking, about the fact that also Grayson Allen uh, on media to ask him about that he said that and I wrote a piece about the fact that he's definitely definitely owning up to his maturity now and that he was playing quote unquote a man's game and didn't know how to handle it and being at Duke they have a long history of guys who just fulfill that role as the heel you got Mike Jaminski and you got Danny Ferry and Christian Leitner and Steve Wojciechowski, Bobby Hurley, and, you know, all these guys who kind of have this, these white guys who have this sneer about them. And and, and they, they kind of, they, they, they jaw at the refs and they seem to get away with a lot. And then, you know, guys like um, Mike Dunleavy, you know, who's now the GM of the Warriors, he kind of fulfilled that role. And then you have... Um, you know, Shavlik Randolph and John Shire, who's now the head coach. And then, you know, Grayson Allen comes in. So it's like everybody kind of expected him to be that guy and just to carry that Duke stigma about him as this guy that you love to hate. But now, uh, speaking to him in private several times as I have, he's actually a very cool guy. He's not- I know, that's shocking to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a shock because everybody expects him to be this pompous Duke snooty jerk. Yeah, uh, but no, he's he's not. I just think that that is something that we love to have villains, and we like to have characters when we think of any kind of story in the history of games that we love to follow. And you know, there always has to be a protagonist and a villain, and I think that's where. Grayson Allen, we want to put him as the villain and we don't want to believe he's not the villain. But he, he is but winning cures everything, and that's where yeah. the Suns are right now. And and some of these wins are because of Grayson Allen, which makes it even stranger to uh to talk about. Do the Suns need to do something? Trade deadlines coming up at the end of the uh, in the middle of next week. Do they have to do something or are they okay? They have to pony up for a big. They need to have somebody for rib protection down in the playoffs because they're not going to be able to sustain the small ball thing for so long, right? Mm. I mean, small ball can work really in the regular season. We've seen it happen with the Suns, the seven seconds or less team. But think about that Suns team with Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion, and Steve Nash. They had all the accolades and awards, but did they win anything? No, no, and I still to this day I blame the NBA, but not in a like cheese ball excuse way because it's been this way for a hundred years. Is that officiating completely changes in the postseason? In right. the postseason, it's it's 
it's like Pat Riley's mid nineties Knicks. You know, if, if there's not an electric chair involved, it's not a foul. So you've got Steve Nash and you've got a team that's kind of pretty. They can win 65 games in the regular season, but then come postseason, they're just getting beat up. They're not getting calls and it's not going to work. And I, that's why I agree with you that the small ball works now when you've got back to backs, you've got tired teams, you've got officials that call fouls for superstars. But once it becomes, no blood no foul then i don't know how you go small anymore right and when you go into the playoffs and you're facing the Jokic's and maybe anthony davis if the uh, lakers get right and you're facing other teams like you know Jonas valanciunas and the pelicans because they're starting to write the ship and they have been since december mm-hmm. and you're facing guys that you know zion of course with the pelicans and rudy gobert you know, with the, 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 the West leader in Minnesota and even, you know, with Thunder doing well, Chet Holmgren, who's also a great shop locker. I mean, you're going to need rim protection. You're going to need a guy that's going to help you get the rebounds and rebounding wins games, as Monty Williams always says. And, and, and any coach would say that. So you're going to need to increase your potential of getting back on the glass and those second chance points as well as, holding off those other bigs from getting their points and getting on the glass as well as, you know, really, really uh, defending against the you know, mm-hmm. shots and limiting their, their shots so that way you can get out, run, and get those defensive stops and, and get scoring up. And that's where the Suns need down the stretch. It works for now, but it could be fool's gold down the stretch. So let's say you're right. They get a big, and then – what changes it, are you asking for less Nurkic, less Eubanks, or are you asking for, you know, I guess less Grayson Allen or Josh Kobe, and you're actually starting two bigs with Nurkic and your, whoever your trade target is. Yeah, it could slow down the, the current lineup of what they have with the big three and then Grayson Allen and Nurkic. Nurkic is there for spacing. He's one of the best passing big men in the game. And yeah, uh, one of the most underrated in that category. But I think if you have a guy who comes off the bench who adds to what Drew Eubanks brings, which is energy and mobility, and Bull Bull, he's not going to outmuscle anybody. I mean, he's very, very lithe in his frame, and you know he's seven two. He's really good on the outside. He's a good tweener, right? Yeah. But is he really going to be used in the playoffs when the uh, rotations shrink? Probably not. No. So if you get a guy, if, if Nurkic gets hurt, then you got Eubanks. He can only do so much. You're going to need another big that's going to give you that solid production that is able to really provide the the space and the lob catches and, you know, for dunks and those high percentage points as well as uh, guys that are making sure that they alter shots when they're on defense uh, against the team that is going to be a better team than you, if not as good as you. So that's where, or even a dangerous team that might be a playing team if the Suns uh, do get in a six through eight spot and they have to play it, you know, a, a playing team or the seven through 10 spots and they have to be in, against a playing team. So that's you know, where they, they need to really, really focus on rather than a point guard. You threw out a name, so tell me who should be more insulted by this fun fact. I weigh more than Bull Bull does. Does that say more negative about me or him? You know, <laughs> hey, you know, I, I give it to Bull Bull for the fact that it is genetic. He's a Denka tribesman. 
It's just like his dad from South Sudan. And they have really, really long limbs. And I've played with Denka tribesmen. They're all soccer kids, right? And yeah. they just really have those skinny, skinny you know, necks and really long arms and small beady heads that look like human stick figures come to life. And they're seven <laughs> feet tall. They're all look the same. They're tribes, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's like they, they, they very much like uh, just you, you they, they can't really put on weight unless you're like uh really working hard at it like luau dang did and even he was really tall and skinny and such right and yeah got, yeah and and there's other dangs that have been like thon maker uh yeah, oh, yeah. Been in the league right and his brother actually mccon maker i think was he went to school at hillcrest at one point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, 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 and thon was supposed to go to asu Yes, that's right. That's yeah, right. so I, there's so many people that uh, I can name off and like that tribe. It's it's difficult for me when you hear when I hear you talk about the tribe because you don't know this, but I'm the shortest male in my family. My uncle is 74 years old, I think, something like that. He still holds the record for the most rebounds in an Ohio high school athletic association game. So here I am, the shortest guy in the family. Where's my tribe? How, how, did, how did I end up? My dad married into a bad gene pool or, or something. You seem pretty positive about the sons. Uh, when, when it's all said and done, are you thinking they're the second best team in the conference? Or well, how worried are you? Know, I still say Denver's far and away number one. Are the Clippers number two? Where, where's the gap between how close the Suns are to challenging Denver? I'll say this much. It's going to be... Minnesota, Denver, L.A. Clippers, and OKC. Those are the top four. And, and Suns. You're talking end about the end because, like, I can look at the yes. standings and see, wow, Minnesota and OKC's having a good season. But you mean you think their years are for real? Like they're they're truly teams to worry about deep runs postseason. Yeah, I believe that this. Those are the best teams in the West right now, okay. pound for pound. And mm-hmm. I think that there's going to be. You know, a grind between those four and five spots, and Suns are going to be in that. I don't think they're going to be a four seed. I think they're going to be a five seed. They'll get close to 50 games like they did last year. They went 47. But I sense that they they can probably get to about 46. That's my over-under mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. The, uh, here's what, something that interested me. Tyrese Halliburton, starter, SGA, starter. I think it's fantastic that they're starters. I think it's totally deserved. But it does make me wonder, all of the years I thought Booker either was a clear-cut all-star and it wasn't even to be talked about and he didn't get in, or years where we should have actually said, you know what, he's had a year good enough to be a starter and he wasn't even close to being a starter. This year, John Moran had more votes than Devin Booker. So we can't argue he can't make it because he's in Phoenix when SGA makes it out of Oklahoma City. We can't say it's just a naming contest when Steph Curry isn't even a starter. So between the popularity contest, the game itself, the skill level, why doesn't Devin Booker get talked about more nationally, even though you started off this conversation mentioning his Player of the Month award? But still, it's not like fans run in droves to vote for him. KD, first chance to be voted as a starter, as a son, he makes it without question. Well, he's a legacy player. Right. And that's the legacy players always get the most votes, like Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant's. 
um, Damian Lillard's, you know, mm-hmm. and who got more votes than Booker. Those are the legacy players that have been in the league a lot longer than Devin. I mean, with the exception of Lillard, who came in about three years before Devin did. But um, Kevin Durant and those guys I also mentioned, those are the legacy players. When it comes to the guys like John Morant, you think about the highlight reels. Who is more exciting to watch in the highlight reels? Yeah. If you're a 12-year-old kid or mm-hmm. if you're an 18-year-old kid and you, you're going to go with John Morant, he dunks over people and he looks like he's you know, no bigger than Michael Jackson, right? But should you oh. know if he's playing when you vote for him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. When you see Devin Booker play, you're going to know that this is that dude. Yeah, and the basketball junkies will see that, and you see that he drops sixty. But then again, the Suns uh, are just—they—they—they're still a team that has a lot to prove. The Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I mean, John Morant was what a number two overall pick mm-hmm. at one point, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, yeah. And so second to Zion, right? And and that's the thing is. When you have a guy like him versus Devin Booker, who was picked 13th, he's still fighting for respect. You see, he doesn't get really any calls. He's always looking at the refs like, what do I need to do in order to get a foul call when I'm attacking the hoop? I always attack the hoop. I always go aggressive with everything I do. And then, you know, he's just really just kind of thrown off a loop like, wow, like I just keep going and keep going to the hoop and I just don't get any calls. But John Morant. I mean, those superstars like him, they get a lot of calls. They get to the line a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, I think, a lot of fans, They, they when you also think of John Morant, he was, what, 6'2", maybe, at yeah, best? Yeah, I think so. And, and so he's a little bit more relatable than Devin Booker. Not to say that, you know, Devin Booker's not relatable. I mean, he certainly is a great personality. He's got a great mind for the game. But Devin Booker he, works hard to hide that great personality, you know? Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. I think that he's he's not as active on social media as John Morant uh, as well. Right. I think he's a le- he he's definitely accessible to the media, but maybe not as accessible to the fans. Uh, he try. I mean, he definitely likes to do things to kind of play with social media, as he told yeah. me recently. Like you know, with the whole sneaker uh, rollout thing, with uh, Complex tried to write about and say that he wasn't happy with his Nike rollout yeah. uh, of his book one two, which not which isn't true. So he kind of left some things that were cryptic uh, there for social media to figure out. But at the same time, I think. John Morant and a guy like say Donovan Mitchell, those guys are six foot two and they dunk a lot and they do mm-hmm. a lot of crazy plays that'll show up on uh that'll be shared a lot. Devin Booker, he does what he does great. And it's just that in a market like Phoenix, uh it's it's you know, he doesn't really he's not the rah rah dunk type of guy, yeah. even though he can do it. It's yeah. just that he's just all about efficiency and getting buckets. And uh, I, I think that's where he blends in. Luckily, we have the relationship that I can ask you a, on the surface, a dumb question, and you'll be able to kind of understand the meaning of it. And it's not like you're going to be a coach on me and go Bobby Knight on me or something. But is it good when Booker scores 60? Because that was such a complete game against Brooklyn. And it's not like I'm saying, Devin, start passing the ball when you're hot. I mean, no, light it up. But at the same time, when it's not the same ball movement and guys get to stand around and watch Devin versus playing the game, 
you know, it's not very often you're going to score 60 and lose. I get that. But just the comparison of the Pacers game and the Brooklyn game, it looked like different teams. And I liked the team that faced Brooklyn better than the one that faced Indiana. Yeah, I think with so that's a night and day game because one, they gave up 84 points in the paint in Indiana, which was yes. ridiculous. And they had 20 turnovers and Indiana scored 25 points off of those turnovers. And so that's why they were able to get down to the wire and beat them. But the Brooklyn team, they were definitely, I mean, Devin is definitely deferred more to KD that game. He had the hot hand in Nurkic too. Mm-hmm. So they were running that two-man game between KD and Nurk so well. And Devin was basically refer- deferring to them till he started to get a little bit hot in the third quarter. And Kevin basically took them home. And this was Kevin's show. They knew this was Kevin's comeback game. This was his show. And Devin, he wasn't going to take away from that. He was only going to compliment that. And I think he knows his role when to basically play the background, let KD play in front, and KD knows when to swap out and be like, you know what, you're the guy, just like before the New Orleans game, you know, two Fridays ago, like, you are the dude, um, and that you basically, it was, it was last Friday, you need to be the guy to take as many shots and be aggressive and I'll find my way into the offense. And that's where Devin scored 52. So that's where we see they're able to read off each other and just be like, okay, I'm going to take this step back this time. Mm-hmm. And they did that also in L.A. with Bradley Beal. You know, Bradley scored his season-high 37 points and knocked down all those threes. And they basically were like, get it to Brad, get it to Brad, get his confidence up. He's due. He's gone through so much this year. He needs a a, a shining moment, especially on national TV. This is his night. And that's what makes those guys work so well together and why Devin is is basically why you saw Indiana and where they learned from it. And they also learned from the Orlando game where they just totally just got destroyed in the fourth quarter, which Mm -hmm. continues to be their problem. Uh, and the fourth and closing teams or even staying in the game and then get into Brooklyn and be like, all right, we're not losing to these guys. They're struggling right now. Even though they won two straight, they're struggling. We are not going to relent and play reactive basketball. We're going to set the tone and get out there through the second and third quarter because the Suns are the, one of the best third quarter teams in the NBA. And we're taking it home and Kevin's going to uh, basically let us ride on his back. It was really easy. As soon as you said they're one of the best third quarter teams, you just walked right into an easy follow-up. Why are they so bad in the fourth? Uh, Well, I would say Eddie Johnson, uh, I heard him say uh, today or yesterday, it was on his uh, serious XM NBA team. um, No, actually, it was Gamble. It was Gamble. It was uh, on 98.7. I don't know that station. Okay. It was uh, fatigue. A lot of times fatigue. And yeah. So I think that makes sense where you got these guys playing heavy minutes. The big three are playing over like close to 35 minutes a game and having to pick up the scoring slack. And then, I mean, they're playing well together. But when you have the other guys that come in, uh, it you know, they're not really – you know, putting up as much, it takes a lot wears on you. And, and, and yeah. it takes a lot out of you to have to 
carry that load in the fourth quarter. It was and interesting against, uh, I, I, I'm sure you noticed it, but it was kind of interesting against Brooklyn where, you know, Booker always plays the whole first, the whole third quarter. And he came out in the third quarter and played the fourth as if yeah. that was like Vogel saying, yep, I'm accepting. We've got a fourth quarter problem. Yes. They also figured out the rotations. They finally have the, the rotations starting to solidify and Booker, and they're tr- basically trying different things and also depending on the, what the matchups are. Um, that's where Vogel's like, all right, we're going to put you in the fourth to close this out. Like, we'll we'll keep you in a little bit. Uh, first quarter, we got you. Second quarter, you know, you take some time off a little mm-hmm. bit. Third quarter, you're coming in, keeping us with a, a good spurt. Fourth, we need you down the stretch if we really need you. If not, you're sitting. And so that's where we see the rotations kind of coming into uh, coalescence. Is Frank Vogel doing a good job, in your opinion? You know, when he actually had some votes for Western Conference Coach of the Month, and Ty Lue got it instead. So he, like I said before, winning cures everything, and everybody knows that adage so well. So, yeah, when you're 11 and 5 after going, uh, you know, Three out of eleven, you know, basically in December, uh, from late November, it, it, it makes a difference, and people see what you've done lately versus, um, you know, what you could do uh, going forward. And I think where Frank is now, he's finally starting to figure out the rotation with that big three. Now that they've played up to uh, sixteen games together or so, mm-hmm. and um, you know, they're basically going to continue to gel and i think frank will finally figure it out and yeah i mean if nobody's really questioning him now when and, and seeing if he's the right coach uh now, as they're yep. winning because that's just how it is you know you, you ride the everything on easy street uh when everything's roses but when things go dark yeah everyone's wondering you know why are you here about 18 seconds of the shot clock. Suns are pretty good defensively. And I got to tell you, when you're when you're writing tonight about this Atlanta game, I'm I'm a little nervous. I, I cheated and looked it up. Atlanta is the number one offensive rebounding team in the league. That doesn't I mean, you talk about hitting right at home of a Suns weakness. Should Suns fans be a little worried, even though we you know, Atlanta's not that great record wise. But I tell you a stat like that. And that feeds right into a problem this year. Yeah, when you have a guy like Clint Capella and some other guys that you know, mm-hmm. can really play hard in the middle, uh, yeah, that's a problem coming to stretch down the stretch when you're getting towards the start of the postseason. You're going to need guys that help protect the rim, like I said before, and guys who you know really, really can stop those second-chance points. And offensive rebounding – and also defense, so that way you can, you know, box out those big guys that can jump over you and use their length. So, I will, if I were the Suns, and being at the Hawks ourselves right now and trying to get Clint Capella off their books, I would pony up for him. I would really try to get That's a guy. That's a great like Clint idea. Capella. I've been I'm thinking a- about Clint Capella for a while. And I know we only got just over uh, two minutes left, but um, because I only got the cheap version of Zoom, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just thinking of the fact that getting a big like Clint Capella that could really complement the Suns down the stretch. Uh, and I can't say it enough: they need a big, they need somebody that will help them uh, really have a presence in the paint 
and compete with a guy like Jokic and possibly have you you can never have enough bigs in the playoffs. You really mm. can't. This is this is then me being a total jerk to ask this question when there's two minutes left. But I got the relationship with you that I I, I want to know because you and I can open up and talk about anything. And I yeah. care about this stuff as a white guy. I ask you, what does this month mean to you? What do you think about in February? Um, well, I think of it as a something where I teach my daughter as much as possible with books that I found that are on the the band list, which is crazy about the, you know, uh, hair love. And, you know, I, I am just things about the, you know, black girl history and you know, black female history. I, I, I really find it important because Arizona is a state that the legislature is contemplating this whole thing with, you know, critical race theory should mm-hmm. it be taught in schools and should it be taken out. And I, I get real antsy about that stuff, man, because I, actually went to school to get a master's in it at Northeastern and uh, meet cult, uh, communication media, cultural studies. And I wanted to have the right language and, and teach my kids uh, the right things about uh, race uh, dealings in America. And also, uh, you know, I have a wife that's Caucasian. So, I mean, it's important to have these conversations and have it in the right way without getting upset. But yeah, I mean, also, I, I definitely recommend watching the greatest night in pop. We are the world, which you have basically black people helping black people in Africa. So there's the, definitely part of black history month. You should watch that documentary on Netflix. I would done. That's uh, that's exactly what I needed. Something else that I, uh, that, that I could educate, even though I totally remember um, everything going on with that at the time, that was like the wheelhouse of me, you know, listening to, uh, to music i i love you brother thanks for everything and uh and uh hopefully you get back on the road a little bit more too because i like your stuff i appreciate you thanks doug always it's big it's juicy it's meaty get your burrito at burrito express burrito express started with my father about 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm gonna do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're gonna start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Coming up in a little bit, I'm hoping to have time to talk about uh, NBA All-Stars, but uh, had a great conversation with Dana Scott. Hopefully you uh, enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed not only doing it, but then at the same time enjoyed listening to it as I sat here this morning. Going to get into ASU in just a second, but I, got, I want to do two things before I do that. Number one, I want to totally surprise Izzy with this crazy question, okay? Crazy question out of nowhere. And that is this. There are two centers, after our conversation about centers, Izzy, there are two centers that are averaging more assists than Devin Booker. Do you know who they are? Uh, and I know there's no way you know it, but, but if you think about it, you'll probably get it. Is one of them Jokic? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't think Joel Embiid's played that many games. Is it Joel Embiid? No. Uh, well, you know what? I should have said differently. I should have said Western Conference 
um, ones, but I am. But oh, what's the Demonte Sabonis? Yes. Okay, got you. So here, here you go. And the reason why I brought this up, if you didn't see it yesterday, great conversation with Izzy on Western Conference centers or centers in general, actually. And that's going to come up in Town Hall Tuesday. Got a lot of feedback. A lot of you had some responses. So I did a deep dive into points, three-point shooting, rebounds, and assists for players that are Western Conference All-Stars and then some of their snubs. And it interested me looking at the West in assists. Lucas third, Jokic is fourth, Harden is fifth, Sabonis is seventh, Booker is tenth, and De'Aaron Fox is all the way down in 30th place. 30th in assists. I don't know. That grabbed me. That was just interesting to me. We'll talk about that a little bit deeper uh, coming up. Uh, If you aren't familiar with this, maybe you're new to WTSMTV.com. Thanks, Unplugged Army, for making the transition. But you might not know this is uh, almost every Friday, we have have Beer Friday on this show, but Steve McCollum does double duty. He's got his show, the main event with Dale Hellestray, coming up from 8 to 10. Then he doubles up and does the Pit Stop. And Pit Stop is the only locally produced NASCAR show in the entire city of Phoenix. And it's a ton of work that is put together by Steve McCollum. And we air it today at noon to get you kind of a preview edition for what's coming up at the Coliseum this weekend. He takes off next weekend as all of the cars and the trucks head over to Daytona. And then he'll get you started for the season or the week after that. So this Friday, today, I should say, not this Friday, today, no show next Friday. And then every Friday after that, you've got Steve McCollum in the pit stop. That'll be today at noon, followed by Izzy on Sports iOS. So Unplugged Army, if you love NASCAR, or if you want to learn about NASCAR, make sure you're watching at noon, and then hang out for the new producer of Doug Franz Unplugged, along with Jeff Weir Production, and that's iOS Izzy on Sports coming up at 1 after the noon pit stop. Let's start with ASU yesterday. I've already given you Doug's big one today, my frustration with what I'm seeing from the Sun Devils. Now let's go into some of the things that, uh, that Bobby actually said. And I appreciated him kind of admitting things aren't going the right way and he needs to take a look at it. And here's his rundown a little bit yesterday when, uh, when he sat down, the, like before the press conference, nobody asked a question. He just said, we got outplayed, we got a hustle, we got outcoached, we've got a problem, we've got to get it fixed. Boom, that was it. And then the first question was kind of go deeper into what's going on with the team. And he said he needs to take a hard evaluation going into the Cal game Saturday. You know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to evaluate just, you know, minutes played. And, and you know, these guys are, are giving me, you know, everything they have from a effort standpoint uh, tonight and, and uh, you know, flying around, trying to, get deflections, steals, uh, f- making things difficult for Stanford through most of the game. And then uh, I felt like we hit a wall and, and we just, uh, you know, we couldn't. Uh, they got a few offensive rebounds on misses and then they really punished us in the lane late in the game. We just, uh, you know, with, with Angel and Renard. Uh, Renard and uh, so, I mean, credit to them. They, they closed the game out. They, they, uh, their defense bothered us. Their zone with their side and there weren't a lot of seams and we did not move very well we were were pretty pretty stagnant and uh, we didn't you know create any advantages against their defense late in the game and uh, so it was it was really you know both ends of the floor and uh, 
you know, they did a better job than we did. If you got a second, I want to tell oh, you about my heating, cooling, plumbing. <laughs> Hi, 602 to repair. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. <laughs> it's all good, Izzy. I know Izzy's or Jeff, I don't know which one, but one of you guys, I know you're in there going, ah! Like, eh, it's all right. At least you didn't go five minutes in the four-minute offense. That's, man, I was, if you just tuned in to WTSMTV.com, I was bad. I was bad. You know, evaluating the minutes is, is obvious. But is it a disciplinary move or is it a we stink move? Because here's the problem with evaluating minutes. A lot of the guys are doing what you've allowed them to do. When you allow guys to freely shoot threes, guess what's going to happen? You're, you're, you're going to have problems. Now, let me tell you a little bit about being in the media, okay? Um, I tell you what, Izzy, can I, I want to do something a little crazy here. I'd like you to play the next Bobby Hurley cut, but I'm going to admit to you, I'm going to cut you off in only about eight seconds. I'm not going to set this up. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I just want everybody that's listening to the podcast right now, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or those of you that are watching on WTSMTV.com, see if you can pick up on this, and then let me teach you about being in the media. Here's Bobby Hurley. Well, I mean, yeah, all right. Um, well, I mean, in, in transition, I, I you know, okay. Um, in transition, we want to attack the paint. When, when, see, when, when you have these big guys that go like six, one six 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 seven six nine six ten. What do you think happens? Okay, the, let the, me just like. <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you think he's frustrated a little bit? Now let me explain. When you are, especially when you're young, as a uh, member of the media, that was a student that asked the question, and his question was coach about the shot selection you you, the guys were hitting threes early it looked like you were hot does sometimes that lead to a kind of a false pride because you ended up chucking up a lot of threes just so you know have you heard of buzzwords there's different buzzwords that you never say to an umpire you never say to a ref there are buzzwords you don't say to a coach chucking is one of those buzzwords Now, let's be clear. The truth hurts, all right? That's on Bobby. The truth hurts. They were chucking up threes. They've been chucking up threes all year. A chuck is any three-point attempt taken with zero or one passes on the offense and any three taken by a player that shouldn't be shooting threes. Those are chucked up threes, 100%, okay? Contested threes with no ball movement are chucked up threes. And the Sun Devils chuck up threes. Okay, let me, that's fair. They do. All right. However, that is a buzzword that you're just going to get blitzkrieged. I, I mean, there's, that pisses off a coach because what you're also saying is you have no system, you have no offense, you have no flow, you haven't coached offense well. So therefore, they end up with no plane and they chuck up threes. That's what chuck really means. Sorry to all of you people named Charles. So now, how, now that you know the context of somebody in their early 20s or some 19-year-old kid saying, Chuck, uh, now you know why Bobby's fired up. But, Bobby, I do need to ask. You guys do chuck up threes. So how are we going to fix this?
Well, I mean, yeah, all right. Um, well, I mean, in, in transition, I, I you know, okay. Um, in transition, we want to attack the paint. When, when see, when when you have these big guys that go like six one, six six, six seven, six nine, six ten. What do you think happens to the to the to the paint? doesn't go very well. Well, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. So, so you know, you got to move. You got to change sides of the floor. You got to get guys moving into different areas to try and change the alignment. We, we failed in that area. But, you know, you're playing that defense. You, you got to be able to make some shots to try and stretch the defense, to open up driving lanes for someone, or to get them out of the defense because you're shooting them out of it. And we were, weren't, able, weren't able to do any of those things. That is, he's right, but the problem is ball movement wasn't there. Stanford went into that zone, and and Bobby knows this, so I'm not telling him something he doesn't know, but you've got to move the ball. And by not moving the ball, getting it to the high post, getting it to the short corner, those are the weaknesses of a zone. High post is simply elbow to elbow. And the elbow, if you're not familiar, is just a cool term for where the foul line meets the, the horizontal foul line itself that you stand behind to shoot a free throw, where that meets the vertical line that creates the lane. That, that is called the zipper, okay? And the reason why it's called the zipper is you got those little hash marks for where you're allowed to stand during rebounding. That's the zipper. So where the zipper meets the foul line is the elbow. And that area... Is a, and the whole foul line is a great area to attack a zone because the zone has to condense because that guy's only 15 feet from the basket, but by condensing, it opens up other people. And the short corner is not all the way out to the baseline corner. It's between the baseline corner of the three-point area and the block, and the block is that large rectangle that is the beginning of where people are allowed to stand on the free throw, on the zipper itself during a free throw. So the area in between that, the short corner, about sideways from the basket, about 10 feet away, the problem is that gets confusing on who's supposed to guard that guy. If you're guarding him with the wing, somebody else can run out and have an easy three from the angle directly behind that guy. If it's the center, now the whole middle is open. So those are the ways to attack a zone. The ball's got to move. Only ball movement beats zones. And they're not doing that. So they end up chucking up threes, even though coach doesn't want to hear it. I think it's true. Just don't use the word. Say the exact same question. Just don't use the word. Say contested threes. You guys were forced to shooting a lot of contested threes. Are you happy with that shot selection? Young man, that's the question. Just so you know. Uh, but I, I, I like Bobby's reaction. All right. The next one is kind of powerful in which he's admitting a major flaw of his and that he's got to change because the starters have forced them into this. Starters are playing over 30 minutes a game and they're losing. So what does that mean, Bobby? Yeah, I, I think I need to force myself to try and trust the bench more and, and get guys, get fresh bodies on the floor a little more frequently. That's on me. That's, I mean, that's the best guess that I could have as to why. And, and that's not going to, you know, we came in here 12th in the Pac-12 at, at shooting threes. So, you know, you got to come in wondering if you're going to be able to make shots. But I, I think when, when 
physical exertion has impacted your defense late in the game where you can't step up and, and stop your opponent, then, uh, you know, so that's why, you know, gotta, we got to, you know, trust the bench a little more and try and, you know, find guys that it can produce, you know, coming off the bench. I feel good about that, that he's challenging people with playing time. But here's my big question. Are you challenging them with playing time because they're not listening to you or because they're not being productive? The reason why I separate those two things is since you allow a lot of these, in my opinion, bad shots to be taken, then you're benching them for doing what you've said for them to do just because they're not making shots. That means the guy you're putting in better be able to shoot better. Listen, if you're benching a guy because he's not listening and he's taking bad shots, then I don't care if the guy you put in is a better shooter because then you're assuming he's going to take good shots or get the ball to somebody that will. And as long as they're either a better shooter or a distributor or a higher IQ player, that's okay. If you're benching a guy because he's taking bad shots that you say are acceptable, then the other guy coming in has got to be able to shoot better than him. And I have to ask, if he can shoot better than whoever, than Gaffney, than Miller, then why hasn't that guy been playing? I mean, I kind of feel like this is the, the ever-present Colonel Jessup, which I just love a few good men, which is why the two orders. You know, it's, you, you can't bench a guy for doing what you've asked him to do just because he's missing shots unless you know the other guy's a better shooter. If he's not a better shooter, why are we benching anybody? I'm really concerned for ASU Hoop right now. And then at the end of the presser, Bobby kind of opened up about where they are right now and, uh, and what they need to do to get ready for Cal. It's just tough because it's demoralizing when you're, uh, you know, when you get punished around the basket and, you know, you play a certain way and I'm not sure that, you know, we we had ball pressure enough so they couldn't see these passes and they were able to throw it in or they were just driving us and, and spinning and scoring and Angel was doing that quite a bit, you know, and then they were getting second chance points as we switched and, you know, Renard, if they missed, was tipping it in. I mean, they, they really just, you know, dominated us right around the basket and, uh, and we, at the other end, uh, you know, couldn't score. So it was, you know, that's why you see you know, that type of run at the end. And that's when it happened. They just got run out of the gym at the end. They had a decent lead and uh, and then absolutely fell apart. Stanford ends up winning. You're at the point now where you need a miracle run of wins to get into the NCAA tournament, and that clearly ain't happening. And I mean from now until maybe the first two games of the Pac-12 tournament. You win every game, you're back in the tournament. We, we both accept that's not happening. So now it's just about getting your rotation down, getting some confidence, and getting ready for the Pac-12 tournament. This is not an NCAA tournament team. And uh, that's, that's on Bobby Hurley. That's on Bobby Hurley this year, uh, both either recruiting-wise and getting the team to come together a little bit sooner. Let's get to Tommy Lloyd. Uh, total destruction. 91-65. Ballo was incredible. 22-13. and the, Listen to these numbers. It is crazy. The uh, Wildcats shot 21 more free throws than Cal did. Cal went 6 of 9 from the free throw line. U of A went 18 of 30. And before you say, oh, that's cheesy officiating. No, 
Cal was just chucking up shots and it was U of A that kept penetrating and Cal could not move their feet and keep up. 51 to 32 in rebounds, 51 to 37 in field goal percentage. Total domination from that standpoint. And coach was asked about, is it, you know, you out-rebounded them. You had a lot more points in the paint. Is that, is that what your game plan was for this game? Tommy Lloyd says, what do you, what do you mean this game? That, that's our game plan for us every night. I mean, that's not, I mean, we, 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 we you know, we, we like to, you know, whether we attack the paint on penetration, transition, a post up, you know, we love to do that. So um, we want to establish our, our, kind of kind of our advantages and and i think our guys did a good job that day when when umar plays with the effort effort energy he has the past couple games i mean we're a different team terrible driving on my part i just got you into u of a and i just thought of something to look up for asu and i had to look it up let me tell you quickly and i'll get back to u of a Tell me, uh, Izzy, you know, you know hoop well. So tell me what you think about this particular stat I'm about to give you. All right. Alonzo Gaffney of the Arizona State Sun Devils shoots 21.5% from three. 21.5% from three. Would you say that's good? No, not at all. Okay. He is 41st in the conference. So there are 40 better shooters than Alonzo Gaffney from the three-point stripe. Are you with me? 40 of them. Yep. Alonzo Gaffney is 13th in attempts in the conference. There's only 12 guys that shoot three-pointers in the Pac-12 more often than Alonzo Gaffney, but there are 40 guys that hit them at a better clip than Alonzo Gaffney. The definition of chucking, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, uh, uh, okay. They've got big guys, okay? they got big guys. Man, I don't want to rip Bobby. I love it. But Bobby, you're just wrong on this one. There's no other way around it. Uh, so thanks for playing my little game, Izzy. Let's get back to uh, uh, Tommy Lloyd and, and U of A's uh, real beatdown. I like that. Listen, it's our game plan every time. Score in the paint, drive, drive and dish, kick out. That, that's our... Read the defense. If you aggressively drive and read the defense, well, you score or you miss a good shot. If you don't drive, penetrate, dish, or kick, what do you get? You end up chucking. I mean, that's Tommy Lloyd didn't say it, but that's uh, basically totally what happens. This is something I play, and I admit I didn't quite hear the question, but it was specifically about a couple U of A players that weren't able to get significant playing time yesterday, especially in a game that's 91-65. And he was asked, you know, are you really, are you a little worried about guys knowing their role? And listen to Tommy Lloyd putting that phrase of know your role right into its proper place. I have a job to do the best job I can for the University of Arizona with this basketball program. So I'm going to, yeah, you have to make tough choices. And we have great kids and we have honest conversations with them. And, you know, I mean, you know, I think Steve Kerr was, you know, one of the smartest guys I know. And he, you know, he had a player complaining about, you know, his role. And Steve's like, well, I was unhappy for 15 years in the NBA with my role. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a high-level competitive game. And, and you know, it, unfortunately, you can't make everybody happy or satisfied. <laughs> That's so good. 
Izzy, do you know what you call? You might not know this about the NBA, and you're a smart NBA dude, but you might not know this. Do you know what you call a guy that comes off the bench for 15 years in the NBA? A guy that comes off the bench for 15 years? Yeah. Uh, a bench warmer? We call them a multimillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> so when you hear Steve Kerr say that, hey, I, I was unhappy with my role for 15 years. The guy's guy. I think I think Steve Kerr has seven or eight rings. I'd have to look it up. Yep. And uh, and that's just as a player. I th- I mean, he's not Bill Russell, but I, I mean, the guy's nuts. I well, probably not seven. I think it's three with the Bulls, two with the Spurs, and maybe three with the Warriors. I think so. I think he might be at nine rings, if I'm not mistaken. But but at least uh, five as a player. And I bring that up because when a player says, "Here's you know, I'm not happy with my role," what that means is one of two things: I want more minutes or I want more shots. That's it. Nobody ever comes to a coach and says, "Coach." I'm not happy with my role. I'd like fewer minutes, and I want to work harder on rebounding the ball, and I'm not getting enough of the tough defensive assignments. I want to guard KD more. (laughs) No, it is the most selfish conversation there is in sports. I'm not happy with my role. So here's that question. Are Are you worried about guys not being happy with their role? And here's Tommy Lloyd. No. You know, Steve Kerr had a, had a, didn't like his role for 15 years. What is he? He's a millionaire. Let's go. My job is to win games. Your job is to play. Your role is to do everything you can to help us win. That's what your role is. I'm not telling you don't shoot open threes if you're a good three-point shooter. If you want the role as a great three-point shooter, guess what we've invented here at the U of A? Summer. <laughs> you, you've got all summer to go become a 50% three-point shooter. And guess what? I don't care whether you're four feet tall or seven feet tall. I'm going to let you shoot threes if they're open and you're a 50% three-point shooter. There you go. That's now your role. You want your role to change. You've got all summer to change it. I love hard coaching, straight in your face, deal with it coaching. Now, this last one is interesting. You can certainly see a strong change in Tommy Lloyd, okay? Uh, Last week, we discussed Tommy Lloyd standing up on the table and saying how great U of A is because we don't have, we have real fans. We don't have people that show up and are involved when there's a big game. We have fans. So we went to that route. Then there was, two, or, uh, I think it was two days ago, where Steve McCollum did a great job ripping him, where it was all about, hey, we're going to go to culinary dropout, we're going to have fun, and I'll lead this train, we're okay, athletics is okay. Listen to him change this little bitty question. The question was simply, Ballo's one of the worst free throw shooters in, in college hoop, okay? And Ballo missed a free throw, and the crowd started cheering him on tried to encourage him and didn't get down on him for missing a free throw. And Coach was asked about that and what that might mean to Ballo. And look how Coach quickly flips it to, we're effing awesome! Arizona's a special place. And we talked about this last a couple press conferences ago. I think the press conference you skipped, Bruce. You know, you know, so you might not have caught this. Some teams have followers, we got fans, and our fans are participating with our program. And that's what makes this place special. And I know 
The university might be going through some tough times and some changes, but this place is an effing awesome place. <laughs> and it's special. <laughs> he's just, man, he's selling it hard. And I, I totally agree with him doing this, but he's selling it hard. So U of A now hosts Stanford that game Sunday. ASU hosts Cal. That game is coming up tomorrow. Tip-off at one for ASU, and I have no idea when tip-off for U of A is. Let me cheat and look it up. It is um, 6 o'clock, Sunday night. Uh, let's get to uh, the NFL for the Super Bowl, and because this is the last pressers, I think. I don't think they have one today. The last pressers that take place on your site, the rest of the pressers are going to be at the Super Bowl, if I have that right. If I don't have it right, then just obviously completely ignore me on, uh, on, on what I'm talking about. But I, I wanted to get into the Super Bowl a little bit. Let's start with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. And this is a little bit of a long one, but it's simply, hey, you made it to the Super Bowl uh, as a head coach of the 49ers and lost to the Chiefs. How have you changed? What have you learned? What are guys that were, guys that were on the team at that time taking from that loss? Um, I mean, I think all those guys, for the most part, were young guys, and it was their first one, and I think um, always when you go your first time, you experience a lot of stuff, but I think when you go your second time, you know all the stuff you experienced. It's about one thing. It's about what happens in those three hours, and uh, I think it's real cool for those guys who have gone to be able to talk to players who it's their first time, kind of help them not get caught up in stuff, especially guys who are rookies and guys like Debo and things like that, so um, having experience always helps. It's funny. I totally believe that, and I bet you actual factual evidence would prove me average. Well, in life, factual evidence would prove me average. But what I mean by that is I bet you if you looked at every Super Bowl team that had the fewest amount of players that had Super Bowl experience on it, okay, I bet those teams are around 500. I bet it's a pretty even split, but it feels like – it's a lot better if you know what's going on and it's your second Super Bowl and you have a better understanding of how to handle not only the hype of the game, but handle halftime. It's a 35-minute halftime at the Super Bowl. You've got to learn to just completely decompress for 15, 20 minutes and then just like it's the beginning of a game, totally ramp back up and get yourself restretched out. It's so different. Um this was the very beginning. Let me go back to the very beginning of the press conference. I forgot this, and Izzy reminded me. Thank you, Izzy. This is hysterical to me. Tell me if you think this is funny. I don't want to tell you why it's funny, but uh, Coach comes up, and he starts talking about injuries. There's one follow-up question. Here you go. Um, injuries for today, George Kittle, toe won't practice. Ambry Thomas, ankle will be limited. Oren Burks with his shoulder will be limited. Go ahead. With George's toe, is that a, is that a turf toe or is it a bruise or what's any concern with that? No, it's just, just a toe. Yeah. Assumption on my part. When, remember when you're in the media, don't assume. Assumption. He's got 10 of them. <laughs> I mean, that answer is so funny to me. Uh, he's got a toe. He's got this. This guy's got, okay, hey, what's up with the toe? Is it a, is it a bone bruise? Is it a turf toe? Is it No, it's a toe. Oh, thanks for the It's a toe. Yeah, we know. I can't, did you imagine a doctor? Uh, doctor, what's wrong? He's got a toe. Okay, thank you. Nice job. Nice job, Dr. Shanahan, uh, on that one. All right, give us a rundown, uh, Dr. Shanahan, on what you see from the Chiefs. 
with Mahomes' experience now. I mean, that's why no matter what type of game it is, whether it's low scoring, high scoring, um, whether they're struggling or not, I mean, they always have a chance. He's gonna, if they can keep it close, he's really tough to stop. And when you can always have a chance and you also got a really good defense, you got a great coaching staff, a great head coach, um, that's usually a very good formula to win most games. <laughs> I played it for you because I like the Kyle Shanahan presser. They're so simple. He's got a toe. They've got a quarterback and a coach. Let's go. Super Bowl time. We'll go to Andy Reid, who has less... He doesn't have flair, but there's just, he was even talking about his State Farm commercials in the presser. And he even mentioned Nuggies, which was, I admit, kind of entertaining. But he admitted he does not have a SAG card for doing commercial uh, advertising. But uh, since Purdy is local, I'd love to get a rundown of the opposing head coach. What do you think of Brock Purdy? And the reason why this is neat is he doesn't talk about Purdy the 49er. He talks about Purdy the Cyclone. Listen, he's a heck of a player. I, I remember specifically one of the Saturday afternoons uh, watching him in college, and I remember the head coach saying, this guy has changed our program. So changing a program, that's something that's you know, big. And, uh, um, and, and that's what he is. I mean, he's doing that in the National Football League. And last week he did as much with his legs as he did with his arm. So he, he ran the ball well. He's a good football player. He's smart. Got a great feel for things. Yeah. It may sound simple, but the reason why I really gravitated to that quote is because I am obviously not a football coach, okay? Um, it's, it's, it's really scary to think about some of the terrible coaches in the history of the NFL and to know they're all better than me <laughs> at, at their job because I, I, I would lose every game. But... I don't think like a coach in the NFL. And to hear Andy Reid say that's what grabbed him. When another coach says he changed our program, that resonated with him. And it's a, it's a great line for all of us to think, wherever we are in life, are we changing the program around us? I can safely say no one has ever come up to me and said, thanks, Doug. You've changed our program, okay? No one's ever said that. Or if I did change the program, I got fired for doing it. One of the, it was one or the other. But I, I like that phrase, and I think it's incredibly complimentary to what Brock Purdy stands for. And when Coach Campbell said that, Andy Reid really gravitated. Not enough to draft him, but at least he gravitated to that and said, okay, that's something to file away. Uh, last one from Andy Reid is speaking of, you know, taking it for granted. He was asked about how many Super Bowls he's been in as a coach and how do you stay focused? How do you never take one for granted over the other? And I really like the way Andy Reid shifted the question. No, you respect the opportunity. I respect the opportunity of being a head football coach in the National Football League. I mean, Vahe and I started way back when we were both scrub buckets, man. So, I mean, uh, to have the opportunity to do this um, is a real privilege. And, um, you know, so I, every day I cherish it. And so this moment, yeah, you cherish it. It lasts, lasts the two teams standing. So, and very competitive business. So, not this weekend. You've got the Pro Bowl skills competition. Pro Bowl skills coming up this weekend. Super Bowl next Sunday, 4.30 in Las Vegas. So double duty day 
for Steve McCollum. Coming up in 20 minutes, it's the main event with Dale Hellestray as well. And then coming up at noon today, it is the season debut of the Pit Stop. That'll be at noon. And then you've got Izzy on Sports iOS coming up at 1 o'clock. Let's start with, uh, let's start with the Pit Stop. First, Steve, what do, you have, what do you have coming up getting ready for the Coliseum? Look back at uh, end of last season, reviewed the uh, Netflix uh, full speed uh, five episodes, which is fantastic. Okay. Even if you're not a racing fan. And then, of course, uh, look ahead of the clash. Will somebody like me who's not a racing fan, will I learn a lot if I watch the Netflix? Mm, uh, you won't learn like like NASCAR, pitch strategy, stuff like that, okay. but a lot of behind the screens. And uh, I guarantee you, uh, Doug, if you make time this weekend, you'll, you'll love it. Thanks. Thanks. I will. I will. Yeah, it, it, it was fantastic. I, did, I learned a couple things, but it's all stuff that I knew, obviously, following the sport and yeah. stuff like that. But uh, man, the way they did it was just the best thing I've ever seen. It, it rivals NFL Network. Wow. Uh, NFL Films types of stuff. Uh, it's just well done. You're going to fall in love with some of the drivers. You're going to hate some of the drivers, and you're going to see what they went through. Well, the let playoffs, me follow so. up on that. Did it change your opinion of anybody? I, I'm no. sure it reinforced your opinion on other people, yeah. but <laughs> did it change your opinion on anybody? No, but I like, uh, you know, like any sport, you have the loud, brash guys of egos, and then you've got mm-hmm. the quiet guys that just go out there and win. I call them the quiet assassins. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just kind of opens your eyes. And if you're not a fan of NASCAR, it does a good job of explaining a lot of that, a lot of those drivers and their background That's and what awesome. they go through and how dangerous the sport really is. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. It's great. Uh, it's five. It's five episodes, forty-five minutes. I highly recommend it. Good. What's uh? uh I want to talk about everything that's coming up on the main event today. What grabbed you over? Oh yesterday? man, we're gonna break down this Pro Bowl this weekend. It is. Uh, we're breaking down tug of war. Uh, you know who's the favorite in this? Uh, you know it's. Uh, no, it's. Yeah. Here's what's sick in the head. Stupid. I totally support Stupid. anybody ripping. The regular Pro Bowl that doesn't exist or yeah. the Pro Bowl games, but it's still going to be the highest rated thing yes. in the time slot. Absolutely. That's what's sick about it. Yeah. Well, you know, like yesterday I'm watching it and guys are catching, you know, whoever it was caught five, caught a fifth ball with four in his hands. Oh, my God. Thank you, NFL. That's what we've all wanted. Watching a guy juggle balls. Usually you have to pay good money for that. So uh, congratulations, NFL, for giving it to us for free. I, I am just one of those people that I uh, – like people will ask me because I've always said, hey, this is my job. I've got to work here. I've got to, I got to work there, and I consider so much stuff work. Yeah. you know. But it's kind of different. I do not consider the Pro Bowl my job, no, I and I don't either. watch it. Yeah. And then people ask me, hey, did you watch this? No, I didn't watch it. Didn't yeah, watch and then they go, how do you not watch it? It's like, well, because it's boring. For yes. the reason you didn't watch it. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those events you just catch the highlights if anything exciting yeah. happens. Uh, but look, I mean, NBA All-Star break's coming up next weekend, so we're getting ready for that. Yeah. Suns have two weak teams on their schedule, one Atlanta tonight, of course, Wizards Sunday night. Uh, I'll be paying attention to Keller in the uh, All-Star game. He's the second game in Team Matthew on Saturday. And if they win, of course, they played in the third game uh, after that. 20-minute games. It's kind of interesting. And the way they did the skills competition tonight, 12 players vying for a million dollars. Yeah. They have to do all the skills. I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do me a favor, Izzy. Uh, will you turn on my 360 uh, or yell at Jeff for production for turning it off? Because I, I have to play this for uh, for Steve McCollum after his, uh, his little joke that he just had. Handled. Uh, here's Bill Belichick for you. I've handled dozens of balls over the past week. Mm-hmm. NFL, uh, they uh, let you play with your balls. <laughs> I just you know, multiple it, balls at a time. It's, it's just not something. That's yeah, it's a, Friday morning. Let's uh, let's have some fun with that joke, right? Oh but, yeah, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, but just watching guys. With- 
you know, two like two balls, and then they're they're putting them in the jug, you know, kicking them up there again, and they're like, uh, and it, it was just like, what now, is, I admit, what am when, I watching? When I, when you're at training camp and they're doing cheesy special teams practice and nothing's going on, yes, I'll be the first one to admit I am entertained. Well, that's different by because that. practice football practices are extremely boring. Yeah, uh, but uh, the millions of people that watched that yesterday <laughs> when the ratings come out. Now it's it, funny it that you sad. say football practices are boring because if it's one on one drills or team drills, especially backs on back man i i eat that well, stuff yeah. up nine yeah, on seven i eat but the special team yeah. practice i'm glad you're doing it yeah. but i don't care yeah but care. even that stuff you know it's whatever 10 20 minutes and then it's over and then it's a lot of standing around again uh you know so it's not it's not a continual game type motion that's what i mean by it's boring so here's uh so you in other words you're not coming over to watch senior bowl practices with me this weekend no. they're all on the dvr i haven't had a chance to watch them yet i've just read about yeah, them have fun with that okay. uh, all you yeah. need to know is uh frank gore jr apparently oh okay okay it's dominated yesterday yeah yeah i did read uh i did read about that yeah. but i haven't i haven't had a chance to see it that's see, all next week on doug franz Unplugged. see the problem that i have with the senior bowl and that stuff is you don't get the true test of guys right like i was watching i've seen highlights of it throughout the week, and you know guys that are supposed to be drafted in the top 20 uh, as receivers just looking like garbage defensive backs <laughs> who are some of the best in the country in games looking like garbage in practice this week so i don't take that stuff seriously because because, uh, I mean, they're trying hard. I get it. You know, it might not be the right element, but it's it's just different when you're mm. one-on-one, and it's just uh Wow, because I, I admit, I love it. I eat yeah. that up, and it dramatically affects my draft evaluation. <laughs> Does it really? Yeah, it does, because I, I want, because there's, there's, there's a different kind of pressure there yeah. of how do you handle this types of pressure. I don't disagree. When, uh, when Mike Tomlin is standing next to you, and you don't have a job, you know, yeah. how do yeah. you handle blocking I, in I'll, that moment? Well, I'll say this. this I believe the the senior bowl is more uh, detrimental or helps your draft status more than the combine. Is. I do agree with you totally. Whether it should or not, obviously well, we can debate, but I, I totally agree. Because you see their attitude at practice. You yes. see all of this stuff that you don't see at the combine. Combine, they're trained to go to. They're trained to jump. They're trained to, you know, stand around in the underwear and stand in, you know, body language. Uh, this is different. This is actually in football practices and you have to show improvement or totally. if you mess up, how do you fix that mistake? And it, it, this is the biggest thing. That's why everybody goes to this. Yes. One. Now yes. the senior, the actual game, yeah. I'll watch it, but I don't really care about that. No, game. it's the practices are huge. Yeah, that's, it's practice. all about yeah. the practices to me. And then, um, hopefully, uh, tr- I don't have a, as many sources as I used to. I admit, but uh, hopefully, I can get a hold of some people that are still there and will talk to me about it. Because what I love is getting inside information on what was brought up in the meeting, yeah, and then how well that player translated it. To to the practice yeah. that very because you know so, they'll, they'll have meetings at night then yeah. they practice the next day okay how did that guy do relative to what you were asking him to do don't most people lie to you though because this is like the start of the uh we're gonna lie to everybody uh yeah. and, and not tell everybody what we want right yeah you know it's kind of weird from what i've learned if you are a low level scout or assistant yeah. you're unbelievably honest because you want credit yes if that guy does well yes but the higher up the source is yes, yes You've yeah. got to whittle through some of the this dishonesty. This is the first stuff. one we watch this weekend. Jaden Daniels is going to yeah. be the, the greatest quarterback, even though he's not playing in it. But you know, Jaden Daniels is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, and then some guy down at the bottom is like, "Oh, this guy's going to translate, and we'll never hear from him yeah. in the league." It's, uh, it's today starts the uh, year of lying, the the months of lying by NFL executives. Any uh, any NBA All Star Game beefs with? Uh, no, with, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, uh, DeAndre Fox or Devin Booker were going to get screwed, and it went the 
right way, I think. Uh, I was a, a little fan. shocked when I looked up assist leaders in basketball, and De'Aaron Fox is 30th. Yeah. I would have – like, I kind of knew he was around the five plateau, but to see everybody else and where they actually yeah. are, he's not even leading his team. Sabonis is, is yeah. uh, averaging eight assists a game. Well, I mean, if you're going to be in an uproar about who got left off, you need to be in an uproar of who's put in. Like That's Le- right. Who are like, you taking yeah, out to like put LeBron, your guy in? Yep. LeBron in there, John Morant specifically. Yeah. Uh, that's a joke. And so if you're going to be upset with, with who's out, you got to be upset with who's yep. in. I got you. Hey, have a good show. Have you a good do, weekend. You do, man. This is when you get ripped. You got to have confidence. You got to have confidence. You got to have confidence. Record-wise, I get a full win. I only played one game. I get a full win. Yeah. But unit-wise, I didn't trust it. Didn't trust it. I only put up a half unit, so I only get half credit yesterday on versus Vegas. But when you see the final score, you're kind of going to be like, you know what? I understand why you didn't put a lot into it. Cleveland was on the back end of a back-to-back. Flying from, I think it was Cleveland to Memphis. I might be wrong, and they were flying from Indiana to Memphis. Sorry, I can't remember. But they were in Memphis. Memphis is a home dog getting eight points. So I say I like Memphis and the eight points against a team on the back end of a back-to-back. Cleveland won 108 to 101. (laughs) So I get it by a point. Even though I took Memphis, I didn't take them on the money line. I took them plus the points. Memphis loses by eight. Or excuse me, Memphis loses by seven. I've got Memphis plus eight. But I only bet a half unit on them. But I do get the full win on the record. So therefore, my record goes to 1098, 962, and nine. Still below the magical threshold of 53%, which is really what I uh, what I want to get to. And that's the most important thing is to be able to get there. But I'm up on units overall since we started this journey and January units I'm doing fantastic I ended the month of January up 18 and a quarter so if you would have went with a standard unit of a hundred bucks you'd be sitting at eighteen hundred and twenty five dollars right now for the month of January thank you thank you did you actually do it I would hope not I'm not nearly good enough at this. I just got one lucky month for you to actually follow me with $100 bets all the time. But Mikey doesn't agree with that, and he's trying it. So hopefully you did well uh, uh, last month, Mikey. For this month, uh, I got that uh, that Memphis game right, so I'm up one. Here we go. I'm up uh, I'm up a half unit for the year and I'm, uh, or for the month, and I got one win. I got three games for you this weekend, and I'm doubling down on one of the games. All right. Kent State is so much better than Buffalo, even though Kent is on the road. They are a road favorite, and it's a larger spread. Usually, you don't want to lay eight points with uh, with a team like Kent State, but I watch a lot of MAC basketball. I realize it's a disease, but I love my Bobcats. I think Kent is going to kill Buffalo. If Kent wins this game by fewer than 14 points, I'm going to be shocked. So I'm still very comfortable laying the eight. I'll take Kent. And then I'm doubling down on the University of Dayton. 
UD ended up losing uh, on the road to the number two team in the conference in Richmond. That's a tough loss for them. Not a bad loss, just a tough loss. And I think that they're charged up. They did have another game after that, but I think they're focused returning home. They take on St. Bonaventure. They're laying seven. I have no problem with that. And then because they're laying seven, I hope St. Bonaventure can score. But I like UD to really charge forward, get a lot of guys in, and really work at, at uh, on their offense. And I like them scoring a lot. So I'm going to take the whole game over the total of 134.5. You might let that part of my, my wager go. And the reason why I say that is uh, St. Bonaventure needs to score somewhere over 65 points to really make this worthwhile. And I really see this game more like a 75-60. So that's why I still like it above the 135 of getting a few more points to make this comfortable. But it's the uh, the total set at 134.5, and, a half, and, uh, and I'm going to take the over on that. So I got Kent and UD as favorites covering the spread, and I got UD and St. Bonnie, Bonnie going over the 134.5. All right, everything that's going on coming up in the future, try to figure out a way to make it work for you and your family. I'd really appreciate it. Tomorrow, Burrito Express. I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i been saying I'm going to get there around noon. I'm now telling you I'm going to get there much earlier than that, 11.30 or so, but I'll still be there at noon, but I am going to the ASU game tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So I'll probably be leaving uh, about 12.40, 12.45. So yeah, I'll probably be a little bit late to ASU. And uh, because I'm a scrub now, I don't have a parking pass near the arena. I, I got to park like three blocks away and, and walk it. So I'll, I'm going to be late walking into the arena because you know I want to finish my burrito and I want to talk to you. So I'll see you there at Burrito Express coming up tomorrow. I'll be there from sometime around 11.30 to 12.30. Love to catch up with you. And then if you want to wait around and get a beer after the ASU game, feel free to tweet me and uh, and, and maybe we can do that and meet up at Bell's Nashville Kitchen uh, coming up Saturday in the late part of the afternoon. I probably wouldn't get there until around 4 or 5. If I get quite a few tweets of people or emails of people saying, hey, I'd love to meet you at Bell's for a Saturday uh, late afternoon beer. Done. I'm in, and, and I'll see you there. Uh, that's tomorrow. And then, remember, February 23rd, golf, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, sanctioned event. It's the first tee time opens up at noon. I admit I'm taking that one because uh, I – I like to get there early, and then there's more time to drink beer at the bar. That's that's why I do that. So, uh, but then we'll have tea times the rest of the day out. Probably, I would bet in a February hour. We're still not getting a ton of light late, so it's probably from about noon to three would be the tea times. Maybe even a little bit earlier for the Unplugged Army. But please get yourself ready. I'll let you know as soon as Unplugged at Whirlwind.com has been opened up. But Sweet Lou has been slammed, and I admit to you, it hasn't been opened up as of yet. Other sponsors of Doug Franz Unplugged. Presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I told you about Bell's Old Town Scottsdale. That's on Main Street, just 50 feet east of Scottsdale Road. Very easy to find. And before spring training starts up, it's very easy to get a parking space. So uh, get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, the Bell's Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. There's Rosati's Sports Bar. That's located. The only one that's a sponsor of Doug Frown's Unplugged is the one in Chandler at Ray and McQueen. I already told you about Burrito Express and Whirlwind. And 
Thanks to Izzy, I told you about Parker and Sons already. Listen, I have been a customer of Parker and Sons for six years before I ever started talking about Parker and Sons on the radio. They're dear friends of mine. The retired owners are coming over to play cards at the end of the month. I know these people. I trust these people. They've been on time and honest with me every time they've ever come over to the house. Trust me on Parker and Sons, 6022 Repair. That's 602, the number two. Then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Don't forget, we've still got three more shows today. The main event with Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestray coming up next. Then you've got more Steve McCollum with the pit stop coming up at noon. And Izzy on Sports is at 1 o'clock. Have a great Friday. I'll see you Monday.